I want to invite you to stand for the reading of the Gospel of Matthew. Stand as you are able. The second chapter, verses 13 through 23, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Now after they had left, that is, the Magi had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was uh, ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after having been warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So Merry Christmas, my friends. I'm glad to see you on this, the last Sunday of the year. And we're so thankful that that the Christ child has been born once again and in our hearts and that all the great blessings that we studied about during Advent are given to us, the gifts of peace and hope and joy and love. And I don't know about you, but it seemed like Christmas came really early this year and it may very well be that Thanksgiving was later this year in November and it, it just seemed like it was uh, on our doorstep before we knew it. And... Uh, Maybe some of those days were filled up with family and friends and parties and work and all the other things we do as well that seem that Christmas came and now it's the Christmas day is gone. But it is the season of Christmas tide now, the 12 days of Christmas, so we are still celebrating Christmas. And it's hard to believe for me that this is the last Sunday in 2019. So much has happened on our journeys this year. We as we think back through the days, the weeks, and the months, we can remember experiences that brought us sorrow and experiences that brought us joy. And in some of those moments, we can say we just didn't see it coming. I would say so far in my life journey that I didn't see ahead most of the outcomes that happened to me. But of course, we're human and we plan things out in order to increase the odds of controlling what happens to us 
in our journeys. But Mary and Joseph had a really interesting encounter, didn't they? We've looked at this all through Advent, and now we see that here they were betrothed to be married, just enjoying the average Jewish uh, engagement and looking forward to the wedding when we know that God intervened in those plans. And this led to many ups and downs for the family. Things they just didn't see coming. A visit from angels, a pregnancy, a census, a birth in a stable, shepherd's visitation, a star, wise men that came, and then Joseph had another dream as well. So we hear the Christmas story continuing today, and it's one of those gospel accounts that we don't preach about too much uh, because we've just celebrated the birth of Jesus. But if you remember Paul Harvey, he would always say, and now the rest of the story. So we're going to look for a few moments at what all this means and what it can mean for us today. Joseph has received word from the Lord in a dream that he must quickly take Mary and Jesus away from Bethlehem. Because evil Herod is planning the death of their son, Jesus. Now, Herod was a puppet king of Rome. He was not a Judean. He was an Edomian. But he was uh, not beloved by the people. Now, he was a great builder. And many ruins today have Herod's plan and name on them. If you go to the, to the uh, Holy Land and see these things. But he was a terrible tyrant ruler. And he would stop at nothing to eliminate any threat because he was paranoid. Matter of fact, he even killed one of his wives and his son because he was afraid they might become king or plan to overthrow him. He wanted power and he was greedy and he treated the people terribly that he ruled over. When Herod realizes that the wise men were on to him and they've tricked him, he goes into a jealous rage. And then we have the story of the killing or the slaughter of the innocents. He sends the troops to Bethlehem and he demands that every boy child two years and younger be killed. And I'd say that no one in Bethlehem saw that coming as well. Evil is real, and we see it every day, even today. And it was especially real in the day when Jesus was born as well. Now, the thing is, this great homage that was given to the Christ child that we read about in, uh, on Christmas Eve, the stars and the angels and all the celebration, the community uh, that shows up to support the family, now, in some sense, seems to be over, for the Holy Family must run and go into exile and become immigrants in a strange land. The family flees for the life of their son. Joseph and Mary and Jesus flee in the middle of the night with, I imagine, all they had on their backs. And where could they go but somewhere it was outside, away from Herod, so he couldn't find them. And that's where these generous gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh 
tend to enter into the picture because they left everything, family, friends, worship, everything they had, and they fled to a strange land. And some scholars believe that the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh were used to support the family during their exile in Egypt. But they didn't see any of this coming. Even with the beginning of our Christmas story, where Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist and Elizabeth and Zechariah's lives are so intertwined, it was hard to imagine all the miracles and along the journey and the hardships and the joys they would experience. Now, in Matthew, he has the wise men come right away, but mostly scholars believe because Herod sent message for those that were two years of age and younger that it probably took the wise men about two years before they made their way to Bethlehem. So Jesus would have been about two years old when the angel appears to Joseph and says, take the family and flee, for Herod is after your son. The reason they do that is because Herod decided that all children two years and younger would be uh, killed. So Jesus is about two. And I don't think he had experienced the terrible twos like some of us talk about as parents. But I do believe that they flew to Egypt. They, they didn't fly. They, their flight was to Egypt as they took place and tried to run away from Herod. And then we join the story. Herod has died in 4 B.C. And we do have that record. And Jesus would have probably been about four or five then in Egypt uh, when Joseph heard the angel tell him that it was safe to return home. But even then, Joseph feared that Bethlehem was not the place to return to because it was under uh, Herod's son Archelaus's uh, jurisdiction. So he was just as bad and evil as his father Herod had been, and he was now ruling all of Judea. So Joseph takes the family, and they go to Nazareth, in Galilee, which was outside the jurisdiction of Archelaus. So we don't want to miss this. Matthew in the gospel wants us to know that God kept Joseph and Mary in God's care the entire time. Years of care. And in so many ways, the story of the Israelites being brought out from slavery in the land of Egypt is quite an irony that now the Messiah is called out of Egypt to be ruler and king over all of Israel. What Matthew wants us to know is that God transforms in ways we don't see coming and his providence is always powerful in our lives. Matthew's gospel account was placed first in the Christian canon, although it wasn't the first gospel that was written because it was very important for Matthew writing to a mostly Jewish congregation or community, that he get in line with the Old Testament prophecies, the Messiah being born and fulfilling the prophecies and the Scripture. So he has the lineage uh, on Joseph's side to prove that Jesus is from the line of David because that's where Messiah was to come from. Joseph is told about Mary's preg pregnancy, whereas Luke focuses on Mary. And we know that Mary 
and that Matthew and Luke are the two Gospels that give us the Christmas story and these two birth accounts that we study together. We're not told anything about the Holy Family's exit, exiled in uh, Egypt, but they were there probably for two or three years. Now, when we went to the Holy Land, the guide, um, when we left Israel, we went into Egypt, and after we got through customs and the guards and all that on the border of Egypt, we went into Sinai Desert and on the tour bus. And as we were traveling on the Sinai Desert on this two-lane road, the bus broke down. And it was hot. And we stayed on the bus. And we thought very much about what maybe Mary and Joseph with a little baby felt as they uh, had to travel. Now, we were on an air-conditioned bus, but not when it broke down. <laughs> So uh, we were a little bit worried about being in Egypt and having a bus broken down and miles and miles of Sinai Desert. And then uh, the way God's providence works, another tour bus came up and stopped behind us. It was maybe 20 or 30 minutes, I guess. I thought it was 20 or 30 days. But... And it turns out that uh, a gauge on the bus had shown that the bus was overheating. So... This is how wonderfully uh, caring these Egyptian tour guides were. One had uh, antifreeze in his bus, so they opened the back of our bus and they poured in antifreeze, and lo and behold, it started right up. The bus went ahead, and then we were able to proceed on with air conditioning through the Sinai, and it turned out to be a beautiful trip. But it sure made me wonder about how the family made it into Egypt and then how they made it back out of Egypt at the same time. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been on foot. Leaving everything they knew, they went to Egypt to protect their son from Herod. And then when they came back, they lived in Nazareth. And that, according to Matthew, fulfilled the, the prophet's uh, teaching that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. So, Matthew wants to know that all Scripture has been fulfilled. But they didn't see when they were in Egypt, they didn't see on their journey that it would be so dangerous and the uncertainties involved with it and, and how difficult that it would be. And yet, the powerful image and knowledge that Matthew wants us to know about today is Mary and Joseph never left or gave up their relationship with God. And this is by far a powerful Christmas gift to us. And their faithfulness and trust in God is what we need in our lives as well. When things don't look well, when in our lives we feel like we're in a desert place, when darkness seems to surround us, we can remember Mary and Joseph who trusted God and did not give up the faith and who cared for their baby Jesus for the fulfillment of all that God had planned. So no matter what is going on, we should be able to say, God is with us. We looked at Emmanuel, God with us, the name of the newborn king, Jesus. And he is with us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, his providence is made real in our lives. So God sees for us when we can't see ahead. He sees the people and places and situations 
and things that change in our lives. But we can remember with through faith that God is moving through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Think of the times in your life when God brought about for you and for me things that we never saw coming in our lives, whether it was hardships that God sustained us through or joys that God blessed us with as we praise God because God has never let any of us down. Even when we can't see it coming, God sees it. And God will take care of a situation and will take care of us as well. There was and is never a moment when God is not with you and with me. That's the beauty of the light of Christmas. We see this more and more as each day gets brighter and brighter now that the light of Christ is in each of us and there's nothing that happens to us outside the knowledge and love and care of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, we didn't see God coming and that's why we celebrate Advent. We didn't see the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the hope, the joy that God brings, the peace that Christ brings to us. Especially when we're afraid or sad or worried or struggling. The joy of Christmas is that God understands that because God became one of us in Jesus Christ. So God sees for us when we can't see the road ahead. And God is for us in all of life. Mary and Joseph continue in their love and trust and obedience of God, speaking to them in dreams and visits while they're in Nazareth as well. And the story teaches us that God was working out God's plan from the very beginning. When people built this church, this first United Methodist Church of Atlanta, I don't think they saw wars coming. They didn't see the Great Depression coming. They didn't see urbanization coming. They didn't see the changes that this great church has seen over all these years. But I can promise you that God saw the blessings, the generosity, the love and compassion that would flow from the hearts of the people called Atlanta First Methodist. We've got some great victories ahead for the sake of God's work in this city. Our work is not done yet. And God's plan is working out every day in the lives of us and the lives of the city of Atlanta. And the joy that I've had being on staff here these six months is that Pastor Jasmine and your leadership team here at the church have developed a beautiful vision for our church's future. So think about that in the next few days as we enter into 2020, perfect vision of God. We didn't see it coming that fast, but it's here. And time does not wait, but God knows what is happening for each and every one of us. And God sees this dream for us as well. So it may look different in this new year. You may want to ask yourself, as I ask myself, how will we choose to see God when situations you didn't see coming come your way? We know that they will come, but it's up to us to respond in faith to what God has given us through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's take our cues from 
Mary and Joseph and trust God in every situation. You know, last week I went to the ophthalmologist like many of us do to finish the year, but it was time for my yearly checkup. And when the doctor came in, they had dilated my pupils and the doctor came in and said, are you having any troubles? And I said, well, it's hard for me to read the uh, screen on the computer. And she said, well, you're 67. You might want to get a bigger screen. (laughs) I said, yes, doctor. And I said, well, I was thinking I might need new glasses. And uh, these are progressive lenses, so you see my head doing this a lot to try to read and focus on things. But she said, Mr. Jones, your, your vision is 20-20 with your glasses on. And I thank God for glasses because there's no telling what it would be without those glasses. But I've thought about going to the doctor, the eye doctor, ophthalmologist, and next year being the year 2020. I have 2020 vision, and we're going to focus on the city. You see that in the picture in the bulletin. We're going to focus on being the real presence of Christ in our city as we focus with God's vision 2020 in coming up in January. And I hope you will be a part of that as well. All the exciting things God has. And what we are going to be challenged to do is to see through the lenses that are Christ our Lord's lenses. To see with God's love. To see with God's caring. To to care for one another and love one another the way Christ cares for and loves us. And we're going out into this city and we're going to show God's love as well as preach God's love as we serve and trust the way Jesus serves. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people we meet at work, if people we meet outside these walls in the street, if people that we see at church and in our communities could say that they see God's love in us? I just think, wow, didn't see that coming. But we're the people of God. We are the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are looking through the lenses of Christ to bring love and compassion, justice and mercy to the people of God everywhere we meet. So, even if we didn't see it coming, this kindness and compassion, this love and this welcome that we share the obedience we give to Christ in our life, we give to a God who is Emmanuel, a God who is always with us, a God who is there to nurture and love us, and sometimes to prod us to get outside of our comfort zones and into the ministry of love and service and justice. Friends, this is our opportunity, and this is our invitation today to think outside where we are, where we sit today, what we do, to be connected with God through God's 2020 vision and to listen and obey in obedience those great things that God has in store for us. Because even if it's a dark time or a time when we question where God is, we have the promise through Jesus our Lord that he is with us always and nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus 
not fear, not darkness, not terrible situations, nothing can separate us. And so we go forth as we focus on the city as a workforce for God. We will serve, we will believe, and we will trust that God is with us. Let us pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your love and your guidance. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. And thank you that now, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. For you are the good shepherd. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. You are our peace and our joy and our love. Help us to be faithful disciples. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. And as we finish this year of 2019, we can't change the things that have already happened, but we can invite you into our lives to focus on 2020 and all the great things you have in store for us this next year. To you, give all the praise and the glory forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.